of July, everybody. What a blessing that you chose to be in the house of God on this third day of July, the year of our Lord, where we here in the United States of America are, are very blessed to be able to live and serve and worship our God freely. Um, what a blessing and what a gift it is, um, a gift that that had to be paid by many people's lives. Amen? Amen. And so, praise the Lord. You may be visiting here in Los Angeles for the weekend, and if you're visiting family on this 4th of July weekend, we want to welcome you to Mission Ebenezer Family Church. We pray that you receive the Word of God today and that your spirit is lifted up in worship and that you leave here blessed and changed and transformed and, and knowing that there's a church right here on this corner that is faithfully serving the Lord and the call that he has upon our lives. I remember a couple of summers back, my wife and I and the kids were away on a 4th of July weekend and we visited our, our family in Hawaii and um, there were lots of tourists there, there on the island that were going to visit uh, the church that our that my sister-in-law attended, and I, I thought to myself, what a blessing when we, the, the church, the body of Christ, um, will remain faithful to the Lord in coming to the place of assembly or the congregation for worship, even in the midst of a busy weekend where we can prioritize God and, and make the, the receiving and the teaching and preaching of the Word of God central to everything that we do. Um, isn't that a blessing? Praise God. Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. <clears throat> Pastor Danny, I already recognized my brother Dave and Lizzie and the kids, but just Davey, just love you, bro. And great to have you here in the house of the Lord. Um, you're still on loan to Seattle for a few years, you know, praise God. Uh, my brother David, he's the middle of the, of the three boys. And, um, uh, serves on staff with the Seattle Seahawks, and so uh, the NFL stole them away from us. <laughs> oh, come on, Carla. The Broncos are still going to suck. But the Seahawks will continue to roll. Um, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, um, you know, God has called each and every one of us to ministry. He's called each and every one of us to ministry. And that means that each one of us as believers or anybody who calls himself a follower of Christ has a ministry. It doesn't just start right away because it, sometimes it takes some time for us to, to recognize and to realize the call that God has upon our lives. But the Bible says we are a royal priesthood. Each and every one of us is part of a kingly family. We're part of God's family. And in doing so, we as priests live out the priesthood, which means the ministry that God has placed upon all believers is such that God has called us to make an impact in this world. 
They say if um, we don't take care of this earth, the carbon imprint that we're leaving is going to bring great devastation to our world. Well, we as believers have to leave a spiritual imprint upon this place and God's, God's children of creation so that God's plan for redemption and his desire for salvation of all humankind can be fulfilled. Last week, Pastor Isaac spoke about the first movement of our church mission, which is restore. And our church mission says, we exist to restore, equip, and send people to impact the world for Christ. We know that restoration is a process of reconciliation that started with God when he reconciled himself with mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the only way that we can be truly restored to God because there was a brokenness, there was disobedience, there was sin that had to be dealt with and God had to send Jesus Christ, his son, to make it possible for us to be in a restored relationship with him. And when Jesus comes into our lives, not only are our lives restored to God, but we become restored to one another. But the restoration to God and the restoration to one another doesn't happen on its own. We have to work at that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We have to work at relationships. We have to work at this. And the work that is required after restoration takes place is the equipping part. When we're talking in, in terms related to the church, the equipping part is part of the discipleship process of somebody who comes into a right relationship with God. After a relationship becomes mended, we now start to do the, the, the hard work, the heavy lifting of making things right again. How many of you have ever had a broken relationship with somebody? Raise your hand. Did it just heal all, all by itself? Or did it require both parties coming together to work on that and put in the necessary work that is required to bring restoration? Well, for us as believers, guess what? Salvation or, or coming into a relationship with Jesus is just the beginning. And because it's just the beginning, we now enter into the equipping part, which is the discipleship part. It's the fun part. We're just getting started. The equipping part. It's the ministry part. It's the discipleship part. It's the Jesus calling the disciples to follow him so he can make them disciples and fishers of men. In other words, Jesus' desire was to bring others into that relationship with Father God. Somebody say, Father God. And Jesus was the agent of reconciliation. And because Jesus lives in us and we have received Jesus Christ into our lives through the word of God, and we have trusted the word of God and God's plan for salvation, Jesus, who is the agent of change in us, 
then lives through us. And because Jesus lives in us and Jesus lives through us, we become a part of God's plan for salvation and redemption. And that's called the church. And the Bible speaks about the doctrine of the ministry or the theology of ministry. In other words, ministry is a function of the church. When Jesus called his disciples and began teaching them and leading them, and he said, follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. Jesus was committed to demonstrating to them what a life with God should look like. He modeled it for his disciples, for his apostles. And Jesus modeled it for us, and we have access to the word of God. And so we now enter into this second movement called equip. Everybody say equip. And I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is what takes place after somebody realizes and recognizes what has been done for them. When somebody truly recognizes what someone has done for them, there's a reaction, there's a response that takes place after something is done for us. Amen? And that's called gratitude. It's called gratitude. It's called thanksgiving. Okay? And that's what takes place after we recognize and acknowledge what God has done for us in forgiving us of our sin and allowing us to have a restored relationship with the Father and with each other. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, Paul says to the church at Rome, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, God's mercy toward us, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So our spiritual act of worship, our spiritual act of thanksgiving is to offer our bodies or our lives as a living sacrifice unto God, which means, God, here I am. Use me as you see fit. And God begins to call you and you begin to discern the things that God has placed in your heart. You start to grow a burden for the lost. You start to grow a burden for the homeless. And then out of that burden births a ministry, a personal ministry, or even a corporate ministry within the body of Christ. We, the church, discern the things and the needs that are in the world. And God makes us agents of this change. And he equips us and he prepares us and he calls us and we respond and we obey and we become the hands and feet and the heart of Jesus that go into the world and reach the people of God that are broken and destitute and are in great need of being restored to him. Hallelujah. Therefore, I urge you, Paul's urging today, church, I urge you, I urge us in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, for this is our spiritual act of worship. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that, that you have placed in us, Lord Jesus, an unshakable burden. Yes, a burden and a responsibility and a conviction that we, the church, 
are a part of your plan. Yes, the church, the body of Christ, the local expression, the gathering of your people, not just here in these four walls, but when we leave this place, we live out the theology and the calling of what it means to be the body of Christ. So Lord, I pray that you'd open our, our minds, that you'd open our hearts, that you'd open our spiritual eyes and show us beautiful things in your word today. We pray all these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, and everybody said, and everybody said, come on, put your hands together. Mission Ebenezer Family Church. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the mid-1940s, my grandfathers served in the World War II. Grandpa Brubaker, which was my mother's father, didn't believe in violence or bearing arms, but he was obedient to his country. He served, and, but he refused to pick up a firearm, and he became the assistant to the chaplain, and that's how he served the country and ministered to the men who fought in that war, who died, who were injured. He also worked in the infirmary, helping out doctors and nurses and bringing care and prayer to those who were in need. Miguel Canales, who was my father's father, also served in World War II, but he didn't mind bearing arms, and he went to, to war and he received his American citizenship while in Algiers. We have pictures that we found in a Reader's Digest encyclopedia, which shows him bowing and taking a knee at a chapel service in the middle of the desert. And the story goes that Miguel Canales, who was the founder of this church, who we're honoring today on, on this 3rd of July, which is 4th of July weekend, where we're honoring our military and the acts of service and sacrifice. With bombs blowing up in the distance and bullets whistling by, tucked away in a foxhole, was making deals with God, saying in Spanish, Oh, Dios, si me salvas, te sirvo. If you save me, I will serve you. And here we are, three generations, four generations later, living proof that God saved him and delivered him from bodily injury and death <clears throat> as living testimonies. He came home from the war finished Bible college, and went into ministry and kept his promise, Brother Ray, out of gratitude unto God for saving his life, my grandfather committed himself to the ministry. He and my grandmother started churches all up and down California, Baja California, helped pastors plant churches and build churches Come to find out, our grandfather went to Arizona and helped Pastor Joe Hernandez's father build the church that he was setting up there. We didn't even find that out until like 10 years ago. My grandparents were committed to the work of God. 
because of an act of gratitude. It was the reasonable act of service and worship unto God was to make good on the promise to God. When my grandfather had recognized that God had spared his life, he gave himself to God completely. When we recognize what Jesus has done for us on the cross at Calvary and that he took our our place at the cross and forgave us of our sin and restored us into a right relationship with God, we then step into the next response, which is to say yes and amen, which is what Jesus said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in a in a triunal conversation in heaven, God says, look what has happened. Jesus says, I will go since eternity. Jesus has said, send me, I will go. So Jesus is the first minister. He's the prime minister. Jesus came to us and that was his ministry was to come to us and to minister life and to minister salvation, to minister love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus ministered all these things unto us so that we would be the beneficiaries. And, but it doesn't just stop there. I'm reminded in, in Luke, I believe it's chapter 17, of the 10 lepers that Jesus healed. And after Jesus healed the 10 lepers and restored their lives, restored them to their livelihood, to being able to work, to being able to live with their families, to be restored to their, to their marriages, to be re- restored to their community, to be restored to church and spiritual life. After they were all healed, they all left. Halfway down the road, one of the lepers not leopards. <clears throat> One of the lepers who was suffering from this skin disease that was contagious stopped in his tracks and he turned around and he said, I forgot to say thank you. And the one leper, one out of the 10, the 10%, a tithe of the men went and ran back to Jesus and said, I'm so sorry in my enthusiasm, in my excitement. I was lost and caught up in in my thoughts and and, and wondering about what it was going to be like to go home and to hug my family and to do everything that I haven't been able to do all these years. I forgot to say thank you. And the one leper ran back to Jesus and he threw himself before Jesus and he said, thank you, Lord. And Jesus says, wow, didn't I hear heal 10 of you? Where are the other nine? You know, sometimes the body of Christ, the church, if, if we're not careful, we can, we can take all the benefits of God, all the benefits of, of having a relationship with Jesus, of, uh, all the benefits of having our guilt and all the shame of our past and our sin. And uh, we forget about all that. And we just say, God, just give me all your benefits. That's not bad. I mean, ask God and, and cash in on all the benefits that he has for you. But guess what? In that same vein, we have to remember that along with the benefits come the responsibilities. Out of a heart of gratitude, out of saying, 
Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for restoring me. Thank you, God, for everything that you've done. Lord Jesus, where do you need me? Plug me in. I can't wait to serve. You need me on the front lines? Send me to the front lines. If you need me up in the tower, send me up in the tower. What are my gifts? How did you make me God? What are the burdens that you placed in my heart that, that are just a part of who I am as one of your creations, as one of your children? And show me, Father, how I can administer that and minister to everybody else around me that I come in contact with. So you guys, the first step in us recognizing that God has called us to be equipped and that we in the church are called to equip the body of Christ, the people and all of the members of the body of Christ is gratitude. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a grateful fool. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice. Oh, that's messed up, huh? And say, I'm a grateful fool. Because when we're, we are grateful, you guys, we are recognizing the goodness of God. The word gratitude or thanksgiving comes from the word Eucharisteo, which is what we're going to be observing and celebrating in worship at the end of the service. The Eucharist, it's Thanksgiving. We're, we give thanks to God. The prefix EU, EU, means good or well. Kadis is the Greek word for grace or love. So, eukaris means it's, it's a great kind of love. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful, overwhelming sense of grace. It's where we get the Spanish word gracias. And what does gracias mean? Pastor Dan, who watched Minions? Gracias means thank you in Spanish. Gracia in Spanish means grace, but it comes from the same thing, that we're living under a spirit of grace, that grace has been bestowed upon us. You know, one of the things that I've been committing myself to lately is teaching my, my children three very basic principles of life, but that are all steeped in virtues that are straight from the Bible. Number one is please, number two is thank you, and number three is you're welcome. When you say please, you are ingratiating yourself to someone else. When you say please, you are giving respect to somebody else as opposed to demanding something from them to be done. And so when, when, when I'm now telling my children something or asking for something and I, I say please, I want my 15-year-old or my 13-year-old to be able to know that even as they grow in a relationship with daddy, that daddy is also a part of the process of making them become proud individuals, strong, that will someday leave our home, our nest that Bumi and I have created, that God has helped us to create, and they'll go on with confidence because we ask them, please. And then thank you. Thank you means that we have allowed something else to be the object of our gratitude. 
It's a theological expression. Because how could you be thankful if you don't have someone to be thankful to? How could you be thankful if you don't have something to be thankful for? So by virtue of us being thankful or grateful or demonstrating this gratitude, it means that we believe in Almighty God. And he ultimately is the greatest expression of our thanks and of our, of our gratefulness and our appreciation to him for living, for life, for breath in our lungs, for family, for joy, for laughter, for children, for... Can I, can I want me to just keep going on or what? For, I mean, if we spent more time thinking about the things that we are grateful for, we would not have any time to complain. We would not have any time to let, allow negative thoughts and, and lies from the enemy to come into our minds and come into our hearts because we say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm a thankful fool. And I'm not talking about living in denial. No, denial's a river. I know that things happen in life. But in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your problem, you give thanks and praise and worship unto God. And he brings you through that situation because of your heart that is so full of thanksgiving. It gives you energy. It gives you life. It allows you to wake up in the morning and you jump out of that bed and you start going and the devil goes, oh, he's up again. She's up again. Somebody say gratitude. gratitude. Hallelujah. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, and 12, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will resort, result in thanksgiving to God. Everybody say to God. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. In so many expressions of thanks to God, you guys, when we have that heart of thanksgiving. A heart of thanksgiving is given in service to the Lord. Just like that one leper that returned. Imagine what his life was like after that. Praise the Lord. What other things come from being grateful? Loyalty, sacrifice, joy, creativity. You know, when you're depressed, are you very creative? When we're focused on our problems, do we have much energy to recreate? No, not to play. But when we find that deep in our soul and we allow the word of God to break in to our situation, we see life in living color. When we're grateful, there's a sense of reciprocity that takes over our, our lives. When you're thankful to somebody, guess what? You want to do something in return to that person and show them that you're grateful in return. And the process never ends. For believers, the process for a believer, it never ends. We continue to grow. We continue to evolve spiritually. We continue to evolve with Christ as he continues to show us his plans for our lives. 
Hallelujah. And all of this gratitude and thanksgiving is made possible because we recognize that really, we really don't have anything to offer God that he doesn't already have. Oh, we can't give God what he's given to us. Let me say that again over here to the east side. I don't know if y'all caught that. We cannot give back to God what he gave to us. Over here to the Midwest. We can't give back to God what he gave to us. We can't. So what does God say? Just serve me faithfully. Serve others. And that is your greatest demonstration of gratitude and thanksgiving that you could ever show me is by loving your neighbor. And by loving your neighbor, we're loving God. Isn't that a blessing, church? And then after we've given our life to Christ, we see the, pro- we see the process of us becoming useful in the hands of God in our surroundings, our communities, or the, or the world. The second thing that takes place in God's call unto us to be equipped is devotion. Somebody say devotion. Devotion is talked about in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everybody say devotion. God's called us to be equipped. Mission Ebenezer is going to equip you. We're going to become equipped. It means we're going to be trained. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna allow God to act upon us. And we're going to be influenced by one another in our dedication, in our service to the Lord. He says they devoted themselves. Devoted comes from the Greek word pros. Cartereo. Everybody say pros, which means toward or, or, or to, and then say cartereo. Cartereo means to adjoin, to fix yourself to something, to be committed to something, to be faithful to something. It also can mean that you, that you pay special attention to that very thing or someone. So when you are affixed, proskartureo, the Greek word means that you are devoted. It means that you attach yourself to that thing in a godly way, in a healthy way. In a, in a godly, everybody say a godly way. Not an unhealthy way, right? No, we have everything in its proper place but we remain devoted to the word of God, which means that we're devoted to the body of Christ, which means we're devoted to church, to God's creation for redemption. We're devoted to the work of God. That's what church is. We're both a people and we're our work. The church is both what? A people and a a work. That's what church is. It's a people that are called to a specific mission. And so it's the work that comes with it. 
And that's called devotion. They devoted themselves to the church and to ministry. Praise the Lord. This has been an establishment of a good work that is meant for God's work. And in that devotion, that commitment, we grow stronger in unity. And when we're stronger in unity, we grow stronger in mission. Understanding our purpose as the body of Christ. Our calling to be prepared, to be equipped, to be in the process of being made into a disciple. Of being made into a disciple by Jesus. The devotion that the disciples had committed themselves to was the word of God. The teaching of the apostles. It meant that they would, they would gather around the word of God. And they would make the word of God central to all of their fellowship. Central to the work that they committed themselves to. So for me as a churchman, it's just a blessing to know the word of God. It's a blessing to know that God has a purpose for us, even in a post-pandemic reality. When there's so many different things going on and so many definitions and so many ways that the enemy has tried to come in and break up the church and break up the work of God and distort things and turn things into things that they weren't meant to be turned into. God is calling us to be a healthy body of believers that are devoted to the work of the ministry. Amen. Praise God, man. It's exciting stuff. And finally, we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to make sure that we, 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 we highlight this. It's the process of learning. So there's gratitude. What's the second one? Devotion. Devotion. And what's the third? Learning. And learning is at the essence of what it means to be a disciple. Okay? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you disciples of men. Uh, excuse me. I will make you disciples of men, fishers of men. In this process, you guys, of being disciples of Jesus Christ... The word disciple is mathetes. And mathetes means, in Greek, to be a learner. It means that we are a learner. And learning, we've all known, never ends. If you're in a marriage, how many of you know that you have to continue to grow in your marriage? Nobody ever stops. We have to continue to grow together. And learn together in order to improve, in order to become what God has called us to become. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So he's commanded us to learn from him. That's what it means to be equipped. That we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. Growing in the word. Growing in our following of Jesus. We also learn from each other. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm thankful that 
The Lord has given us a spirit of humility so that we can recognize that we all have to continue to learn. Remain in the process of becoming more and more like Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the Christian ethic that we learn through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the process of learning what the life of Jesus looked like and what he demonstrated for his disciples. One of the things I appreciate about Paul's letters is that he explains all of that stuff to us through his theology in the New Testament, his theology of what the church means. He breaks it down for us and explains the great mysteries of God to us in ways that we can understand. Amen? So, the church is constantly in a posture of being equipped, being trained, being called to the work of God. Because of a heart of gratitude, we respond. Because of our devotion to the Lord and to the work that he's called us to, we remain committed, amen, and faithful. And then the process of learning. No matter where we are in our walk with Jesus, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, no matter where we are in this development phase of Christ, whether at the beginning, at the middle, or even near the end, we never stop growing. We never stop learning from Jesus because God wants to use us to continue to reach others. The trajectory that we're going with the messages um, in these past few weeks is going to bring us next week into the third phase, which is to send. It's to send. Pastor Koba is going to be bringing a word on sending. Why the church is sent. Why we don't just keep all the goods here to ourselves and hoard it to ourselves. And how the mission of God has always been to send. And that should bring each and every one of us into a great understanding of who God is and who we are as the church. We're we're at a good place, Mission Ebenezer, this church. God's moving. He's growing us. We're expanding. There's lots of things that God has called us to do in his proper time. And I could not be more excited to be a part of this move of God. Today, when the world seems like it's falling apart, I'm thankful to be alive at this point in time. God's got a calling on your life. He wants to prepare you and equip you for that work that you see in your heart with your spiritual eyes. Some of us are already living it out. and Even as we live it out, guess what? We keep growing to greater heights, greater levels, greater depth of commitment to him. In Jesus' name.